Greetings on this good day that the Lord has made. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I encourage you to learn more about the amazing work we're doing all around the world. You can go to traincpe.org, or you can follow the links at our webpage, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho, and it's from that fellowship that we share with you God's Word. Today we take up the consideration of a message that was delivered over two Sundays entitled, How to Almost Fall. It was not meant to teach skills on successfully walking the razor's edge. It was written for that individual who feels the pull of temptation overwhelming them and yet wants most of all to overcome and prevail. When you think you're about to fall, is there a way to stand and not be overcome? There is, and we will learn it together. We're looking back at the psalm here, and what I want you to see right off the bat here is that the psalm begins with its conclusion. Truly, God is good to Israel. In a sense, that's what the psalmist actually says at the end as well. That I may declare all your works, that God is good to me. It's good for me to draw near to God. I trust in God. I want to declare all God's works. So that is where the psalmist comes to at the end of his psalm. And that is where the psalmist wants us to begin in considering what it is he's about to say to us. That the whole experience that he's gone through has resulted in his praise of the goodness of God. It's the first thought he puts before us. It is the first thought he wants us to come to, and it's the last thought that he wants us to come to as well. This is where the psalmist is at when he's writing this psalm. He's praising the goodness of God. He is dedicating himself to draw near to God and to live for the purpose of making the works of God known and the good works of God known. That is exactly where he is at as he's writing this psalm, but that is not where he's been, all right? In the psalm, as he tells us his story, this is where he came to, this is where he's at, but it's not where he's been. He's been in a place of tremendous and overwhelming temptation, a temptation that seized hold of him to such an extent that he almost fell. And he's going to write this psalm as a declaration on where he was at and how it was that God halted this precipitous fall and how it was that God mercifully brought him back to the place where he could see and understand and embrace by faith that God is a good God and where he could pledge his own life and give himself to make the declaration of God's goodness. And so I'm speaking to that individual who has been, who will be in the future, and may be at this very moment at the edge of falling or buckling under to temptation. And I want to explain to them, actually this morning, not some high, noble thought or position or strategy that will somehow allow them to fly and sail over their temptation. I'm not going to propose that to you this morning. I'm going to speak a word to you that comes to you at the darkest moment, the point of your deepest doubt, the place where you're about ready to launch into sin. And I'm just going to give you, and this is what I think the psalmist does initially, a toehold. A place where you can end this slide and just before you catapult into the ditch, a place where you can plant your foot and stop yourself and regain your balance and not pitch headlong into that failure. And so 
For this morning, I'm going to give you and I'm suggest to you the bare minimum point at which you can regain your balance and stand against the press that would cause you, in the midst of your temptations, to enter into a complete state of failure. It will be there at that point that you'll begin to climb your way out to the place where, and this is what we'll have to discuss in next week, where you can gain a glorious vision of all of God's purposes and you can see His goodness and you can be pledged to bring glory to Him and to live to proclaim the good works of God. And so as our first point, just simply this, let's just talk for a moment about what God's purposes are in our temptations. What God's purposes are in our temptations. I think we know what the enemy's purposes are. We know what Satan's purposes are when he brings upon us and he exposes to us and we come under the press of the circumstances in which he whispers in our ears an idea, a thought, a pathway that would be faithless. He wants to bring us down. He wishes to ruin us from living a productive life that's lived for God's glory and God's praise and that enjoys and gives expression of the enjoyment and the trust in God's goodness. That's his purpose. Ultimately, Satan's desire is to destroy us and to rob God. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, that's the enemy's purpose and temptation. But God has a purpose as well. I want to remind you that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 says this. God will not allow us to be tempted above which we are able. You remember that? God will not allow us to be tempted above which we are able. It actually says, but God in that place offers a way of escape. But God here, it says, allows us, which means something to me. It means this. God could disallow temptation. He allows temptation, but God could disallow it. He could keep it from our doorstep, but he doesn't. And the question is why? Why doesn't God disallow our temptation? Well, it seems clear here to me from the testimony of this man who's writing Psalm 73 that the reason that God allows temptation in our lives is because God knows that this temptation can actually be used of Him and by those who receive it faithfully as a means to enhance our praise and our worship and our glorying in the goodness of God. The very temptation does. In a sense... When I was a young man, I learned how to wrestle. We took wrestling in junior high and high school, and wrestling was all about taking your opponent's holds and moves against you and using whatever momentum he sought to gain against you to gain against him. And God is the ultimate wrestler. And God wants to take what Satan brings against God's people and transfer it to his praises so that the wrath of men would praise him. God wants to work in such a way, to demonstrate his sovereign power in such a way, that he fulfills the curse that he put upon the snake, which is, I'm going to make you crawl on your belly and eat dirt. Whatever your plan is, whatever you're trying to accomplish, I'm going to thwart it. And I'm going to use it to demonstrate my glory and my goodness. And I'm going to use it to evoke in people's life my praise. So... Keeping that in mind, I think that this is actually kind of helpful for us just at this point. When you find yourself pressed out, when you find yourself on a point of temptation, when you find yourself at the point at which you feel like you're going to buckle under, remember something that Satan has a purpose in your temptation, but so does God. God's purposed it to get glory from your life. God's purposed it 
in the end, although you might not sense it or see it or feel it, God's purposed it to use that very thing to reveal to you his goodness. And you have a decision to make in the midst of the trial and the test. It's whether you're going to allow yourself in mind and heart and attitude and will to allow the enemy to gain his purposes, to bring destruction in your life and to mute your ability to praise God and so steal from God, or whether you're going to determine in the midst of your difficulty and your challenge that you're going to let God have his way and his will and find his purpose in this moment of distress or difficulty or pain that you're going through. I would suggest to you that there's a good place to begin to get a foothold. You might not get there yet, but to gain and return yourself in the midst of the trials and testing that you're going through. So God's purpose in our temptations is to lead us to a point of praising Him and glorifying Him and seeing that He's good even in the midst of our trials. But let me just say this. Sometimes we can't immediately get to that conclusion. Sometimes the temptations are so great and the tile so hard to bear and the disappointment so profound that we can't get to the place where we can see and trace out something of God's design for His glory and for His praise. We can't see any even hint or expression of the goodness whatsoever. The sooner we realize that that is what God is designing and God is doing, the quicker we'll come to a place of comfort and confidence and praise. But it's not always easy to get to that point, is it? If you've ever gone through real difficult trials and difficulties, you can't just flip the switch. You might know it intellectually, but it's really hard to simply flip the switch intellectually and get there. Sometimes there's so much emotion and sorrow to overcome. There's such an avalanche of our own instinct for justice. The impulse that God has put in us because we made His image longing for fair play And it's been so offended in us that we can't just tut, tut, tut those feelings. We can't just brush them aside and say, yeah, but everything's going to be good because God is good. No, those feelings burn within us to such an extent and such with such deep indignation. The trials lay hold of us to such an extent. Our desires have been so profoundly frustrated. Our weaknesses have been so clearly exposed and preyed upon. Our doubts have been stirred up to such a profound extent. The unique battles that have come upon us have made it almost impossible for us to somehow determine and find our way to immediate state of praise. To a certain claim that, well, God is good. All the time, God is good. I know that sounds good. Sometimes it's hard to say it or even see it. And you know, you don't want to say things that you can't see whatsoever. You feel like you're not speaking a truth. Sometimes when you speak the truth, you can only say what you're seeing at that moment in time. And so what you have here is an individual in this psalm who is in that kind of situation. His spirits are dampened by disappointment. His flesh is agitated. You've been there? When that happens, anger takes over. Self-pity begins to take control. Doubt begins to insinuate itself over everything. A cynicism about everything. All the things that you've thought, all your ideas cynically take on a new light. The enemy's pouring in upon you. A host of compromising thoughts and compromising emotions are assaulting you. And praise and confidence and trust for a moment, at least for a moment, sometimes for a protracted period of time, are driven back 
out of our reach. What do we do then? That's the point. It's a, it's a very dangerous point in your life. That's the point at which you almost fall. You're right there. What do you do when you're at the point where you're going to almost fall? What do you do in a time like that? That's where the psalmist takes us at the very beginning of this psalm. He says, now, I got to this point of praise. And he lets us know that at the very beginning of the psalm. But he says, that's not where I was. I was at the point of almost falling. Let's for a moment just kind of consider this man in the psalm and his story. And I'm not saying this so that you can say, well, I've experienced exactly that same thing. I'm just saying he was in a situation where everything that was happening to him was dictating a different conclusion than the conclusion that he needed to make in order not to fall into sin. He's a man who's committed himself to living life the right way. He's made it his personal commitment to conduct his life in a way that conforms to the will of God. And to the best of his knowledge, he's doing the things that God would have him do. It doesn't appear that he's doing it simply to get blessing in his life or benefit in his life. It's not some, you know, just fleshly attempt to get a payoff by doing good deeds. This is not an act of people who follow or go to their temple or go before the various gods to pray because they want prosperity or they want good luck. This is a man who is principled to the core. He does it simply because it's the right thing to do. He wants to please God. It's the rhythm of his life. He strives to do the right thing and to be holy in his interactions before God and before others. This man is trying to do good. He's plagued with unsatisfying results and is disappointed with himself and with God. And this is where he's falling. Join us in our next broadcast to find out how it is that he only almost falls. Thanks for being a part of our broadcast today at The Bread of Life. For links to this and other broadcasts, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.